All right, well, let me turn my phone down since I forgot earlier. don't want to get interrupted in the middle of the service. If you would take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 6, I'm sorry. Well, just turn the 9 upside down and you'll have it right. Genesis chapter 6. Good to see you this evening. Wish we got some out of their sick, so... Pray for those. Genesis 6, I'm going to read verses 9 through 22. The Bible says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark. Shalt pitch it within and without pitch. This is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, and the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all life, destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh. Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing after their kind, of the earth after its kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee all of, of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So tonight I want to look at a message titled, Living by Faith in a World of Unbelief. Living by Faith in a World of Unbelief. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together. We thank you for each one that's come out tonight. And we do pray for those that are laid aside with sickness and illness and we pray that you bring healing, strengthen, and restore them to health. And those that are traveling, give safety. And Father, we must look into thy word tonight that we'd be encouraged in this day and time which we're living to live by faith. And we know that it is possible through what you have given us in your word. We, just, we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, of course, we read in the New Testament but that all these things in the Old Testament are written for our admonition, for our learning. For our example, and our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come, you know, it speaks of, uh, you know, for us who are living in this day and time. And, uh, you know, when I was, we were talking here the other night, a couple weeks ago, about, you know, it's a terrible world to bring children into the world. But, you know, people were saying that when I got married, you know, I wouldn't, boy, I wouldn't want to bring kids into the world today. And I used to say, well, no, it did. And, you know, he, his all went with him in the ark. So, you know, I think it's still possible to, to raise, save children today in the world. And just as that's, it's always been, uh, even though the world is filled with violence and wickedness. But, 
you know, it's, it's not like things have never been like this before. Just maybe that we didn't know it was like this before in our time. But anyway, we are living in a world that's characterized by unbelief and wickedness and a, and a great turning away from God. But we can still live for God and live pleasing God in this world. So as we think about living by faith, and Noah is an example of living by faith in a world of unbelief, I want to consider seven things tonight from this passage. First of all, faith's ground or its basis is the word of God. Faith's ground or its basis is the word of God. Notice verse 13 says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence to them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. God said unto Noah. You know, if you were to go to the New Testament, Hebrews speaks of Noah. Hebrews eleven seven, the Bible says, By faith, Noah being warned of God. He was warned of God. In other words, God spoke to him and warned him of what he was about to do. We know that in Genesis 18, uh, God spoke to Abraham and said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You know, God's word tells us, gives us instruction concerning the future. What's going to happen in this world? We, we now have a written record. Of course, this type, day and time, Noah, or God spoke to Noah through some means directly. Uh, and, but, of course, we have a written record of all the things that pertain in life and godliness, and that it will carry us through and talks about even the end times, so we know the, how things are going to come out. And so we need to rely on the word of God. The word of God was the basis of Noah's faith, not his circumstances, not his feelings or his experiences of life that were going on around him. No, it was the word of God was the basis for his faith, the word of God. You know, Peter talks about not relying on experiences, and many, many are, are led astray by, by great experiences. And, you know, those experiences are not to be negated as uh, of no value, because some experiences do have value, but however, they do not trump the word of the living God. Uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter says, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he's referring there to that when he went up on the mountain with, with Jesus and and James and John, and, and Jesus was transfigured before him. And you remember Moses and Elijah appeared and talked with him about his decease and so on. And, and, and it was just a wonderful experience. So he says, you know, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw the glory of God uh, there. In that, but, and, 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 we, and he, said, he goes on and says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, if you heard, heard God's booming voice from heaven and saying, you know, this is my beloved Son, you need, you need to hear you Him, that would stick in your mind. That wouldn't be something you'd soon forget. And he says, this voice which came from heaven, we heard and we were with Him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. We have something more. Look, you know, that was a wonderful experience, but it's an experience. And you see, Peter is admitting that, you know, I can, this, this experience that I'm telling you about is subject to how I perceive it, how I tell it. You know, the, when you read through the Gospels, one of the th- beauties of, of the 
the three Gospels in particular, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they talk about a lot of the same happenings in the life and ministry of Jesus, but they come at it from different aspects or different viewpoints. And so they give, give you different perspectives of different people. So, 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 so it gives you a full picture of what really happened. And there may be some people that could understand it better from Dr. Luke's writing than understand it from Mark, who talks about the Lord being a servant. And, but you, again, you get a full picture. They're all inspired, written uh, of the Word of God. But, but pe- well, what we're seeing here is Peter saying, you know, that experience is subjective. You know, what happened isn't going to change, but how I view it and how I tell it could change. But I have something that's certain that you take, that you take heed to, and that's the Word of God. And so... You know, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul, in Acts chapter 27, he's, he's on his way to Rome, and, and they're in the sea and in danger of being shipwrecked, and they believe they're going to be shipwrecked, or all starved to death. And, and he says in verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. One thing you can be certain about is, it will be as God has told us in his word. It will be. It will be. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. And so, faith's ground, its basis, is God's word. Secondly, I want you to notice faith's sphere, sphere in verse 17 of Genesis chapter 6. It says this, and behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Uh, so this fear, this is what is referred to in, in uh, uh, Hebrews eleven seven, where it says, By faith, being Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Things not seen as yet. So faith's fear is you're laying hold of something that you've never seen, you've never experienced. That's faith. Uh, he believed that what the Lord said would come, become a reality. You know, there had never been rain, let alone a flood. And so, you know, this, this idea... Or this command, or this instruction that Noah has been given by God, I'm going to bring a flood. You know, most of us would have said, really? What's a flood? Uh, Lord, how are you going to have a flood? It's never rained. Uh, you know, even Moses. Remember Moses? The children of Israel were complaining, and they wanted meat to eat. And the Lord said, you know, I've heard their complaining. I've heard their, their murmurings. He said, I'm going to give them flesh to eat, not one day, not ten days, not twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out of their nostrils. And Moses said, Lord, how are you going to do that? Are you going to slay all the flocks and herds? And the Lord said, is the Lord's hands waxed short? I mean, do you think I can't do it without slaying all the flocks and herds? See, this is faith. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about the resurrection 
or the redemption of the body, where we're going to get a new body. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle and of this body were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle or this body do groan, being burdened, not for that we'd be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life, that we might receive the new body. Now he that hath wrought us the selfsame thing, for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given to us unto us the earnest of the Spirit. So he's given us a down payment and a, a surety that one day the body will be redeemed. And that is the Spirit of God that dwells within us. It's like, like earnest money. And, and, then, and he goes on and says, Therefore, because we have this earnest, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we, ha- we haven't seen this come to pass yet. We believe it, and we walk in that hope. But it hasn't come sight yet. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent of the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted or pleasing to him. So, so this is our hope that we have by faith that one day we're going to leave this, this, this vile body, this body that's dying, it's decaying, it's growing old and, and with aches and pains. And one day we're going to get a new body that God has promised us because he has promised us. And, and we believe it because he's given us a down payment, an earnest, some earnest money, you might say, the spirit of God that dwells within us that bears witness our spirit that we are the sons of God. And so we believe this, that we will be delivered from this present evil world just like Enoch was. And of course, we believe there will be judgment for his servants. It talks about that in verse 10, 11. You know, Hebrews 6, 18 says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. That word consolation means comfort. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope which is set before us. That's our hope, is the resurrection of the body. Paul wrote First Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, This we say unto you by the, Lord of the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, I'm saying this by the word of God. But see, it's faith. Faith based on the word of God. Faith's sphere is believing in things we have not yet seen. Noah, Noah did not see it, but he believed it based on the word of God. The third thing we see here is face character. Face character. Verse 13 again. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He says, I will destroy them with the earth. In Hebrews eleven seven, it says that by faith, Noah moved with fear. That's faith's character. See, real faith not only relies on the promises of God, but it also believes the solemn threatenings of God. It takes it takes the threatenings, or you might say the promises of judgment of God, just as seriously as it believes the promises of life everlasting. 
You know, how many, how many, and this is the kind of sad reality, but how many professing Christians really believe God will punish sinners in hell for all eternity? Billy Graham said this, quote, The only thing I will say for sure is that hell means separation from God. We are separated from his light, from his fellowship. That is going to be hell. When it comes to literal fire, I don't preach it because I'm not sure about it. When the scripture uses fire concerning hell, that is possibly an illustration of how terrible it's going to be. Not fire, but something worse, a thirst for God that cannot be quenched. Unquote. In other words, he isn't taking the judgment of God seriously. He's disbelieving that there's a literal hell that Jesus preached about many, many times. Spurgeon said this, quote, He who does not believe that God will punish sin will not believe that he will pardon it through the atoning blood. He who does not believe that he will cast unbelievers into hell will not be sure that he will take believers to heaven. If we doubt God's word about one thing, we shall have small confidence in it upon another. Since faith in God must treat all of God's word alike, For the faith which accepts one word of God and rejects another is evidently not faith in God, but faith in our own judgment, faith in our own taste, unquote. So if we say we believe this portion of Scripture, but we don't believe this portion over here, what we've become is our own God, our own judge. And we're judging God not for who he says he is, but who we want him to be. And sad to say, that's where many professing Christians are in our world today. They've made a God that suits them. They come to the Word of God with presuppositions, already predetermined ideas, and they, and they try to make the Word of God fit their ideas. So, you know, the reality is when we reject certain portions of God's Word, we become judges of our own destiny. You know, Noah had received a promise of deliverance and a promise of coming judgment, and he believed both. He believed both of them. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. In other words, he feared God. I was reading a little earlier about, there, they, uh, in a book, Carl Johnson wrote a book, it's been reprinted by... Uh, the guy that sings and wrote a, put a hymn book together, Byron Fox. It's been reprinted by Byron Fox. Anyway, it's called, um, the book is called Hell You Say, I think. Anyway, in that book, they did a survey of some Prairie Bible Institute students and they asked them, um, you know, what brought them to saving knowledge of Christ. 65% said fear of God. Fear of God. Six percent said love of God. And we got, we got this idea today that we shouldn't, we shouldn't make people fee, be afraid of God. The Bible says Noah moved with fear. He feared God. People, people are living in sin because they do not fear God. You, know, you, go, you read Romans chapter 3. It says there is no fear of God before their eyes. No, they need a holy fear of God. And it's that fear of God that will bring them to a realization that they're in trouble with God. And so, 
know, that's, that's faith character. It believes not only the promise of God to, to everlasting life and blessing, but it also believes, believes the, the condemnations and the judgments of God. And it believes all those too. Fourthly, faith's evidence. Do you know that faith has evidence? Look at verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make it in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is a fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit and a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And then drop down to verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, in Hebrews 11.7, it says... By faith, Noah. You know, all these things I'm talking about that are also spoken of in Hebrews 11:7, that one verse. But anyway, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. That's evidence. Evidence is something that proves or disproves something. If I say I believe God, what is the evidence? What is the evidence? Is it not my actions, my works? change life. Look at John chapter 3. Explained this to somebody on Monday. John chapter 3. You know, if there's real genuine faith in a person's life, there will be evidence. In John chapter 3, in verse 8, Jesus taught Nicodemus this truth when it says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So the wind blows where it desires, and you can hear the sound thereof, but you can't see whence it's coming or where it's going. You can't see the wind. But what you see is the evidence of the wind. You see evidence. And so Jesus says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I can't see the Spirit of God taking up residence in a person's life and heart. But I can see evidence of it. I remember Dr. Alan Dickerson talking about they, years ago, there was this drunk, the local town drunk, that you know, um, he was in and out of jail many times. And he said, I preached in jail every month or every week and he said he was he was there often listened to me preach and and then he'd be out in the street and said sometimes my wife would take him meals and some of the church people took food to him and but he was down drunk and one day in the jail he came forward in response to the preaching of the word and got saved and he then became a member i believe of of maranatha baptist church and so so you know that happened and then he got this call one day about this this uh, uh something going on in in Elkton there where this group wanted to start something to help alcoholics and asked him if he would come to this meeting and give some input. He said, sure. So he called this guy who was a former alcoholic and said, this is, this is, they're going to have this meeting. He said, would you come along? He said, sure. He said, so we go to this meeting and we're sitting there and they're, they're, they're telling, talking about all the psychology and stuff they're going to use and methods they're going to use to try and help alcoholics. And, and they asked him, well, 
Pastor Dickerson, Reverend Dickerson, what do you think? And he said, he told this man, I can't remember that guy's name, he said, you tell him your story. And so he just stands up and gave him his testimony of how the Lord changed his life. Gave him victory over drinking. Saved his soul. You see, that's evidence. That's evidence of faith. Uh, and if one is born of the Spirit of God, has been given the life of God, the life of God will demonstrate itself in the life of the believer. Therefore, if one says he believes God and there is no evidence, is there real life? Well, James chapter 2 tells us that faith without works is dead, being alone. No, it says Noah believed God and prepared an ark. In other words, he believed what God said, therefore he made preparations. For what God said. You see, faith always demonstrates itself in life where it is a reality. You know, Matthew 7, two times in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 21, the Bible says, By their fruits ye shall know them. You know, it's talking about, talks about those that, that, that are, are corrupt and are are evil, and he says, by their fruits you know, and then those that bring forth good fruit, by their fruits, not everyone that saith in me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, if there's real life, it will show itself. Because life speaks of animation, activity, of fruit. You know, I got a zucchini right now that the worms, I believe, got into the stalks, and it's starting to show signs of death. It isn't, it isn't animated anymore. It isn't, leaves aren't standing up. They're laying down and leaves are all starting to curl up like this. Like it's dying. Because it is dying. And you know what? I don't imagine I'll get any more zucchini off of it. Why? Because it's dying. And probably by tomorrow it'll be dead. It will be dead because I'm going to pull it out of the ground. Uh, so there'll be no fruit. You know, why? Because it's dead. Faith without works is dead, being alone. See, faith has evidence. And we see this evidence demonstrated throughout the scriptures and the lives of different people. We can, we can, we can talk about evidence in the, in the lives of people that we know. And... You know, Romans 5 talks about the love of God being shed abroad. It's overflowing in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And so faith, evidence, he prepared an ark. Prepared an ark. Fifthly, faith issue, verse 18. Verse 18 of chapter 6 says this. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, By faith being Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So faith's issue is that faith is an individual thing. You know, there are many examples in the Bible of blessing coming upon people because of the faith of others. 
Yet we know, and the Bible teaches this, that we know that there's no saving faith by proxy. You don't get saved because your parents are or because somebody else told you you were. No, you get saved because you repent of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's how a person gets saved. You know, Romans 14, 12 says, Every one of us will give account of himself to God. You know, Rahab's faith saved her. And, and the Bible tells us that, that her house was saved also. But those family members had to believe what she said and what they promised and go to her house and stay there until they conquered Jericho and delivered them. Each one of them had to make an individual choice. Just as the Philippian jailer, the Bible says that he was saved in his house. But each member of that house had to make his own, his own individual choice. In Matthew chapter 9, there's a man sick of the palsy, and he's let down through the roof by four men. But Jesus said to the sick man, not to the four or all five, he said to the sick man, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And thee is singular, meaning thee only. Now, I believe that the other four demonstrated some measure of faith or they were else just living to please their friend because they went to great lengths to get him in front of Jesus. Remember, they took him up on the roof, pulled up the roof, and let him down in the midst of a crowd right in front of Jesus. Because they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. So they went to great lengths to get him to Jesus. So, so they gave some evidence, some faith. But Jesus didn't say to them, your sins are forgiven. He just said, son. It's an individual thing. Now, maybe they were saved. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It's not important. You see, uh, Faith is an individual. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, John 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe in his name, which were born, not of blood. In other words, you don't inherit it from your parents. What you inherit is your sin nature. You don't inherit new life in Christ. Now, you may be the blessed to receive the blessing of hearing the gospel from a young age because of your parents. But just because you hear it doesn't mean you're saved. You have to give heed to it. You have to apply it to your own life. So which are born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh. You can't work for it. It can't be earned, nor the will of man. There's no man, other person that can give it to you, but of God. Only God can give you salvation. And you must come to God by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's faith issue. And number six, faith witness. Uh, look at verse 19 through 22. Uh, Genesis 6. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark, to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing upon the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, just try to picture this a little bit in your mind, if you could. Now, you know, the Bible tells us that 
there was a mist that went up, it watered the earth, and the earth was very different prior to the flood. Uh, it was like a garden, you know, of the Lord. And, and, and you know, so, so things were different. The atmosphere was different. And, you know, there was abundance of food and things, and, and man multiplied very rapidly. And, and, of course, they had anything they could want. And, of course, they're living, there's, there's violence everywhere. And, and so, but, but picture here. Here's Noah, and he's starting to gather all these animals. And then he starts storing up food. And can't you, can't you just now picture in your mind the world, you know, everybody but Noah and his family, all right, are saying, hey, Noah, what are you getting ready for? You think there's going to be a drought? You know, there's a mist goes up and waters the earth every day. It's sort of like a, almost like a, a greenhouse effect. So there's an abundance of food. Oh, you, you, you think you're, you're going you're to have some kind of a, a, a great increase of animals or something that's going to eat all this food? Or what are you storing it all up for? You, you think we're going to go without food for a year or two years? Or what do you think you're doing? I mean, nothing like this has ever happened before. There's no precedent for it. I mean, we, you can look back in history now and say, well, there was a drought during this drought in Joseph's time, and he stored up food because God told him to and got him through the drought, you know, and there's been famines, and, you know, you go through recorded history, and you can see where things like this have happened before, but there's never been anything like this before. And all of a sudden, Noah, this crazy old man who's different than all the rest of the world, he's storing up all this food. Do you know what the message is? Get ready. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Peter says that preacher of righteousness, you know, he condemned. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 11 that he condemned the world. He, look, he's, he, he, by his actions, he's saying, look, you need to prepare for the judgment of God is coming. That's his witness. You know, what is faith? You know, somebody has said it's the opposite of sin, which is unbelief. Sin is unbelief. A transgression of the law of God. So really, faith then is obedience to the law of God. If it's the opposite of sin or unbelief, faith then is obedience to the law or the commands of God. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In verse 8 through 12. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8 through 12. It says, and you know, we, all, we don't often think of faith like this, but I believe this is, this is very true. That, again, faith without works. So faith is the opposite of sin. Faith is obeying God's commands or his laws. In 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, so these are not saved. And then it says that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they demonstrated they didn't have faith by not obeying the gospel. So faith, we could say then the opposite is true. Faith is obeying the gospel. Faith is obeying God's word. 
Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints, to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, to fill all good pleasure of his goodness, and the work of faith with power. So the work of faith is you fulfilling God's good pleasure, that which pleases God. That's faith. Now the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith's witness is more than just, you know, we think of witnessing our faith, we think of just soul winning. It's much more than that. That's only part of it. Actually, you know, you can preach without even being saved. People do it. I remember reading a testimony, and I'm trying to remember who it was, years ago, about this guy who grew up, and he just loved playing preacher. So, you know, when their cat died, he preached the funeral, and his sister listened while he preached the funeral, and they had the burial service and all that. When the dog died, he preached the funeral for the dog, and, you know, he's playing preacher, and he just, he just enjoyed, uh, you know, talking and, and, and so on. And, and so he grew up, and he decided he was going to go to seminary or whatever, and he, and, and he, he became a preacher. And, and then he went, took this one church, and he began to do the preaching, and uh, the deacons called him into a meeting. And they began to ask him some questions. Pastor, do you really know what it means to be born again? And through the questioning of his deacons, he come to realize he, he wasn't even born again. He was just playing the part. And he got saved. He got, through that, he got saved. Um, so, you know, so witnessing is just part of, or soul winning is just part of being a faithful witness. Because the witness here we see is, is, a, is really obedience to all the command, commandments of God. Witnessing is just one of those commands. One command of many. And so if you live by faith, you will automatically condemn the world. That's a witness. That's what, that's what Noah did. He condemned the world. He said, you need to prepare for judgment. This world's under judgment. You need to prepare. Walking with God is contrary to living like the world. 1 John 2.15 tells us that uh, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, Noah's life of faith brought him into opposition. Brought him into he was, his life was contrary to the world. That was his witness. You know, they thought he was crazy. Strange. Doing things that nobody else would do. Isn't that the way the world looks at us sometimes? So faith's witness. And then lastly, faith's reward. Verse 18 and then verse 22. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And verse 22 says, Thus did Noah, according to the all that God commanded him. Chapter, 
7 and verse 5. Again, Noah did according unto all that God commanded him. In chapter 8, verse 1, and God remembered Noah. And then chapter 9, verse 1 says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Because after they come out of the ark. See, there is a reward of faith. There is a reward. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, at the end of that verse says, became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The reward of faith is righteousness. We have been made righteous in our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have, so we have the present reward of the assurance of salvation and, and the reward of that which is to come. Look at Matthew chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Ye which have followed me in the regeneration of the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory. Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he's talking here specifically in that verse about the disciples. And then verse 29, And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, he's talking about this life, and inherit everlasting life. There is a reward for faith. It is present. You know, there may be trials, but we have a present reward. The assurance of salvation. Have you ever been around somebody that was uncertain, was afraid of God, and was uncertain of their salvation? They're miserable. They have no peace. We can have that assurance. You know, Hebrews 6.18, I read this earlier, says, By two mutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. And a light bulb just come on for somebody. Uh, you, know, you know, we have a strong consolation that we can lay hold upon that hope. We have an inheritance reserved in heaven that fadeth not away. You know, John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, Beloved, uh, now are we the sons of God. I think, that's a, I think that's actually verse 2. 1 John 3 and verse 1. Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That's right now. That's present tense. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. That's our inheritance. That's reserved in heaven, kept by the power of God, through faith, unto salvation. So, that's faith's reward. There is a reward for faith. One day, what we believe by faith, is going to become sight. It's going to become sight. We're not going to need faith in heaven. Because faith, we will have received faith's reward. You know, is it possible to live by faith in a world filled with unbelief? No, it did. 
and we can too. We have a written record whereunto we do well that we take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark day. Well, we're living in a dark day. But the light of God's word dispels the darkness. And we just need to rest and trust in the word of the living God. And, and live by faith. Take him at his word. Weigh the evidence. Look at the evidence. There's evidence everywhere. We see it in the lives of people. You can read about it in God's word. And so, may we continue to live by faith until our Lord comes and makes our faith, turns our faith into sight. Even so come, Lord Jesus.